I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'd miss you, John Mariano, and I don't want to miss a thing. Welcome to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by John Mariano. How you doing, John? I'm doing dandy. You wait, wait, you would miss me if you close your eyes because when I close my eyes, I see you. Really? Yeah. That's too bad. Oh, I, I dream in horror movies. I get you. No, I hear you. Uh, speaking of horror movies, uh, let's throw it over to the sexiest man in podcasting, the one and only Scott Haskin. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing good. Speaking of horror movies, I'm excited that uh, the the girls from the Talk Scary podcast will be in town this weekend, and I'm looking forward to going down and meeting them and watching a live broadcast of their show. Oh, that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Should be. All right. Well, you know what I did last week uh, for those folks uh, who were kind enough to listen to us last week. Uh, we spun one of my tracks, Rock and Pneumonia and the Boogie Woogie Flu, which found its way onto John Mariano's Nasty Cuts portion of the mixtape. Uh, I forgot to put a new track on. Uh, so that's totally on me. So right off the hop here, uh, I'm going to fill out our dice with a sixth track. And uh, I've had a very, very long day. It was my kid's uh, sixth grade graduation today. Uh, I had to eat outside where the bugs are. I didn't like that. And then at work, I just had nothing but technical issues. So I need a little comfort food. I need a little Aerosmith comfort food. I'm going back to Classics Live 2 and let the music do the talking. Man, I really hope we roll that one tonight. I'd be good with that. Do you guys get um, a lot of mosquitoes up in your area? Oh, gosh, yes. They're everywhere, and they're the size of birds. Terrible, mm -hmm. terrible. I believe the pronunciation is mosquitoes. And um, on top of that, Corey, you didn't forget anything last week. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but I put a curse on the show. And by me putting a curse on the show, I didn't actually put a curse on the show. I have visited several um, curse goers, if you will. Um, and I have had them each put a pox on the show until the movie comes off. Um, oh. So we we will probably continue to make mistakes, and I blame that particular song and its existence on the mixtape for errors that will be coming to us. Well, that, well, that explains why I did a shit job reading the uh, Deep Dive Podcast Network last week then, too. Well, guess hey. what? You got a second opportunity at it. Why don't you give it a roll right now? Well, we've got a great variety of shows. Aside from this show, you two do a show called Backtracks Theme Music. Uh, Corey, you do a show with our friend Mark Kameyer called And the Podcast Will Rock. I have my Uriah Heap the Magicians podcast, which will be offline through the month of July, returning in August, uh, available on a new server. So uh, if you guys are linked anywhere to that show on uh, your podcast player, the link may change. Uh, Nate and John do a great show called the Deep Purple Podcast. We have the Simple Man at Skinnered Reconsidered. Terry T-Bone Mathley has his show T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. We have Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast. Paul, Joe, and David at the In the Lap of the Pods Podcast. We have Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge. Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z. Daniel, Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the Ultimate Aussie Podcast. We have Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie do a show called the Judas Priest cast. Clay and Rye do North by South podcast. Greg and Jonathan have So Far, So Pod, So What? We have Kevin at the Tom Petty Project. And Kevin has another show with his buddy Randy, the Seaside Pod Review. And uh, Randy is quite the audio engineer, too. 
Uh, we have Quinn at and Volume for All, which are all things general heavy metal. Sav, Nick, Steve, and Mark at the Rock Roulette Podcast. And of course, Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu. But that's not all. We've got our friends Sean Geek and Fast Brett, who Kevin was just on their show this week. I haven't had a chance to listen to that, but that should be good. And of course, Eric at Booked on Rock. Excellent job, Mr. Uh, Mr. Haskin. Thank uh, you. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, housekeeping, John Mariano is going to tell us all about a good friend of ours by the name of Ken Knapsack. As soon as he unmutes his mic. How dare you call me out for that? See, I told you. I, I told you. you. Look. You, you would have said that, <laughs> that the show is cursed. Right, it's 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 not my fault, right? I, when do I, when does that ever happen that I'm muted? Why would I mute myself? That doesn't even make sense. The curse so, is real, well, folks. Let me get back to Ken. Okay. So so so, if you're not familiar with Ken Knapsack, Ken, Ken Knapsack hosts a bunch of shows on the Knapsack Network. You can find this on any of your podcast feeds. Um, the 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 main show on there right now is the Blathering, where it's Ken's thoughts from his mind and his heart. Um, you can also catch them um, on Mixcloud. If you download the Mixcloud app, you can find them on Pop Rock and Radio. He hosts and DJs a show there every Saturday night, and occasionally he'll, he'll drop some surprises on there throughout the week. Um, also, if you're in the um, Burbank area and you get a chance, you can see Ken live. Um, he's been doing shows at Flappers. If you follow Ken on social media, you can you know just look up Ken Napsock. You can follow him on Instagram. He put he posts when he when he's playing flappers and you can see his stand up set. He's a phenomenal stand up comedian. We support Ken and all his efforts across everything, including Force Center with jo Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. So um, go uh, go support Ken. Yes, please do. And uh, I know uh, Force Center started doing some Indiana Jones content uh, with the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, coming out this Friday as we're recording. This will be a few weeks after the movie's released. I'm hoping it's a big hit because they uh, I'm a big Indiana they, Jones fan. So, so Disney doesn't need their help, though, Corey. I, I know. But uh, I feel they may, actually, because, you know, films like The Flash are underperforming. Uh, Pixar is underperforming. I, I, we really need another big hit. I, I'm opening a movie theater in a couple of years. I need big movies in the movie theater to draw crowds. I have a big movie for you. What's that? Um, Wolf Cop. You know what? Wolf Cop would be great. Wolf Cop 3 would be even better. If you guys really need a gimmick, you, you should really do, like we used to do Rocky Horror Picture Show Saturday nights at midnight showings here. You should do Wolf Cop midnight showings at your theater. Oh, oh it's going to happen 100%. Please. And actually, because you brought it up, uh, I'm, I'm, I may be in Lowell Dean's new movie. I went up and I was an extra, uh, potentially, in his new film called Die Alone, which stars Carrie Ann Moss and Frank Grillo. Uh, which so, should be out sometime 2024. So I saw an interview once with Nathan Hamill, and there's a trick that he learned from his father to not get cut out of a movie. Make sure that your extra time is featured with, in a scene where the faces of the stars are shown. Was it? No. Uh, you're at risk. You're at risk, Corey. <laughs> Uh, in the B-roll afterwards, uh, there, there's plenty of FaceTime, but uh, it's actually them pushing their way through a crowd, the the stars, and it's shot from behind them as they're pushing their way through a crowd towards a hospital. So uh, you may see the back of my head. Hopefully some of my B-roll shots make it in, but yeah, I just had a lot of fun 
uh, going up and being a, a, an official extra in a movie. My IMDb is going to be all the classier now because of it. Oh, I cannot, I cannot wait to just go spam your page with views. <laughs> one, one star reviews. This guy's horrible. Oh no, need... not reviews, just views. I'm, I'm not oh, going to okay. write anything. Yeah, that, yeah, that would take work. Speaking maybe, of work, maybe you sorry, can entice Lowell and say, you know, we've got two years till this theater is going to open. Plenty of time for you to shoot Wolf Cop three and do a big premiere at our grand opening. And, oh, that's and more than that be an incentive. Yeah. Yeah, uh, his his shoot schedule is only like three weeks, so oh. he, he yeah he can knock out a wolf cop in no time. Oh, there you go. Well, then um, next October, maybe pitch that. Not a bad idea. I'm going to do that. But before that happens, uh, we got to talk a little Aerosmith. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Aerosmith's uh, new air quotes uh, 44 track greatest hits uh, ripoff that they're going to be putting out. Um, I saw a tweet from Mitch Lafon. And he tweeted, what is going to be on the uh, Japan-only version? They're getting three extra mm. discs uh, of the CD oh. version. And it's three live discs, and they sound phenomenal. Uh, so from the from a 1977 show, they're including Mama Kin, SOS Too Bad, Adam Zaplin, Walk This Way. From 89, which would have been the Pump Tour, Monkey on My Back, F-I-N-E Fine, Magic Touch, and Hangman Jury, all live. From 93, which would have been Get a Grip, What It Takes, Cry and Draw the Line and Sweet Emotion. From 2003, Love in an Elevator, Pink, uh, Nobody's Fault, and Jaded. And then from 2016, Crazy, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, Eat the Rich, and a medley of You See Me Crying, Home Tonight, and Dream On. Like, oh, fuck, wow. Give me that. I, I would buy that 10 times out of 10. Like, why are we getting this in North America? I can tell you why we're not getting this in North America. Partially because of the curse, but more importantly... Right, we promised to do all of the new releases and cover them on the show. Aerosmith is mercifully setting us up to not have to do more episodes. Well, this is being officially released. Do we have to do it? Even though they're no, not being released, yeah, that market? doesn't count. Okay, yeah, that doesn't count. What if so, I accidentally so, get a hold of these tracks by ordering the Japan-only release? Canada, Canada also doesn't count. <laughs> What if Scott have, does it? He lives in America. I have to wonder though, is is the are Japan only releases that big of a deal anymore since we have the ability to kind of get things from anywhere? I mean, in the 70s, that was a really big deal. And Japan always required some special bonus track for their release. But it seems like maybe that isn't such a uh an yeah. unobtainable thing nowadays. It, it depends. Like I know a couple of years ago, I was trying to get a hold of the Captain Chaos costume um, that Dom DeLuise wears. And there, there was an officially licensed version in the UK only. Mm -hmm. And it, they would not ship to the States because it was not permitted. So wow. um, if, if it's a situation like that, or if they tax the hell out of it, or if they charge you like shitty shipping, like all of that stuff matters. Mm -hmm. Right, because no, like as as fun as these tracks are, nobody's paying for shitty shipping, right? Just to get them. Yeah, right? and I mean, even even if you use a, a website like Discogs, which I love, um, they can restrict sales to certain countries or certain territories based on you know maybe what the record company is allowing or if it's a bootleg or or something like that. 
So that might not even be a possibility. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I, it just doesn't seem like it's quite the hurdle it was back in the 70s, but I mean, it's still going to be a limited quantity. Well, even no, in the 80s actually... and 90s, too, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but they do the Japan only releases to uh, bootlegging is very bad in Japan, right? Yeah. So they needed a, a reason for the Japanese public to buy releases, and these <laughs> Japan only tracks were the way to do it. So, like you said, with the advent of the internet, is it such a big deal anymore? Well, yeah. it, it, it is because if you want the disc, it can be a pain in the ass to get at best. And it's worse than the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s because now you know about the thing. Before you didn't know about the thing, like we might hear rumors or something. Now you know the thing exists and you can't get it, which is more yeah. of an asshole thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and because it's so easy to research, you're you know your savvy eBay seller or somebody that might get a hold of some copies to sell uh, across the pond is certainly going to make you pay for that. Yeah, exactly. But after seeing that track listing, and there's a third disc too that's just listed as live in Japan 2011. I don't know what the track listing is off there, but they're getting three uh, bonus uh, live discs on their CD set, which great for them, uh, kind of shitty for the rest of us because I would love to hear you know another live version of Hangman Jury or Magic Touch or. You see me crying. Yeah, nobody's fault. That's a good one. I wonder what the price difference is on that, though. Yeah, you know, what, sure. what they got to pony up for all that. And will they? That's the big thing. That was, of course, the discussion last week. Is anyone going to buy this set? Well, I tell you what, if these discs were on there, uh, I'd be buying them for sure. Yeah. But uh, what do you say, boys? Uh, we, we've talked enough about uh, the upcoming Greatest Hits set. What do you say we, we, we chat about a song? I've already uh, tipped my hand. I want to hear a little uh, Let the Music Do the Talking. John, what are you in the mood for tonight? Oh, I want to hear uh, Last Child. Okay, that's a gooder from Live Bootleg. How about you, Scott? Well, I uh, I believe Let the Music Do the Talking was one of the first songs that you guys covered in the, in the early days of the show. And I didn't, uh, I marked down that I didn't really care for that version. So uh, I'd, I'd be curious to see if I like a different version. So I'll, uh, I'll vote for that. Excellent. I'm hoping we roll it. Let's uh, throw it over to Mr. Tyler. Toss of the... Oh, and John Mariano calls a shot. We're getting Last Child from Live Bootleg. John, why'd you want to hear that one today? I I really like this song, and I like the live version a lot. So I was like looking at the songs that were there, and I just tried to pick a song that I like. Uh, Last Child is a, is a Brad Whitford uh, joint uh, from Rocks. He plays the lead on this one, so we're going to hear a little Brad Whitford on this. Uh, Scott, you put this on the uh, mixtape, if I'm not mistaken. I did. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of live stuff on there, so I thought I needed to balance it out with uh, another live track. I'm not familiar with this one. I don't recall uh, ever hearing it, at least not by name. I guess we'll find when we start listening. All right, so let's go all the way back to live bootleg, and this is Last Child. you look perplexed i mean is he is he teething what's what's going on with his voice there uh, not a, a lot of uh, post-production done on this album yeah this is a very very raw aerosmith live record uh, as you can tell from them just kind of noodling around before they go went into it 
and uh, yeah, whatever it, kind of noises Stephen was making there. Is is this the opening of the show? Are they testing mics? Like this, this doesn't really sound like a song starting so far. It it, it is um, it is a screechy choice that he made to change the sound a little bit for the song. So even on the um, on the studio album, he does this weird screechy thing at the top of the song that he he was trying. And being that he doesn't try it much after this, it feels like it was a one and done choice. Mm-hmm. But once you make that commitment, it's do you change the song or do you just try to attempt to recreate it? At this point, when they were doing it, he was definitely trying to recreate what he did in the studio. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I I, I just wasn't sure if this was like a warm up or a mic test because didn't uh, it, it feels very odd so far. In later shows, he would take that a little more melodically and, mm-hmm. and sing it kind of in, in his normal voice. That uh, I'm dreaming tonight. I'm living back at home. That 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 kind of thing. But yeah, here he's he's doing it very screeching. I thought I heard some of the hiss that uh, Joe Perry talked about uh, when he talked about this album. He said a couple of tracks were recorded off air onto a cassette and had hiss all over it. So I was wondering if this was maybe one of them. This was recorded at the Paradise Club in Boston, August 9th, nineteen seventy eight. I wasn't sure. If, I I wouldn't have guessed cassette. I would have thought a reel to reel. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely hearing some of that lovely analog hiss in there as well. All right, let's keep it going. What's a sassafrasi? Does anybody know? I don't think that's a thing. No. It's, it's a, a good rhyme for so, Tallahassee. I'm actually I'm I'm actually reading it in the song. So it's down cross the bridge to my sweet sassafrasi. Right? Yep. And I, I know Foghorn Leghorn, who was a very famous um comedian. Rooster. <laughs> um comedian of I think the 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 forties, maybe thirties, mm-hmm. forties, and fifties fame. Um, but but Foghorn Leghorn would say things like Sassafras and or maybe he was his buddy Sylvester. The um he, he was a cool cat. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. But one of them would say all. things like Sassafrasy. In all fairness, I mean uh, rhyming Tallahassee is probably not the easiest thing to do in the world. So you almost have to either make up a word or a form of a word to get that to work, or just don't put Tallahassee at the end of the line that you need to rhyme. There's only so many cities though, Scott. Like you, you got to mix it up every once in a while, right? That's true. I will say I love the bass guitar sound on this. That's that's seriously a sweet bass sound. Really is. And I, I love that groove too. That just damn, 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 damn. Like that, mm-hmm. that was always some good shit. I looked it up here uh, on definitions.net. Sassafrasi is a very high spirited energy young woman. Not always the smartest though. But it's oh. his sweet Sassafrasi. He, yeah. he down, down cross the bridge to my to his, sweet. To his girlfriend. Oh, okay. To a sweet uh, girl who maybe isn't that smart, but she's energetic. Okay. So Kelly Bundy. Yeah, sure. There you go. Yeah. Sweeter than make a silk dress, but they won't get in the sea. 
Now that is a, a, a some pros there, folks. Yes, sir. No, sir. Don't come close to my home sweet home. Can't catch no dose of my hot tail poontang sweetheart. Sweat hog ready to make a silk purse from a J. Paul Getty in his ear with her face in her beer. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> really? Okay, so 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 let's break this down. Let's break it down. So 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 where, where do we want to start? We we know what home sweet home means, right? Yeah. Can't, Can't catch, catch no dose. Okay, of of my hot tail poontang sweetheart. Poontang means vagina or for the for the layman a pussy, right? So so um, sweat hog ready to make a silk purse, which is another euphemism for a vagina. Um, so sweat from, hog ready to make a silk purse. What is he getting at there? His sweat hog is his dick. Okay, and he's ready to make a silk purse. Make he me enter, okay, okay, right. Um, from a J. Paul Getty to his ear, isn't that a euphemism? I'm not, but but is J. Paul Getty like a guitar maker or something? Uh, in some some kind of instrument? No idea. Uh, J. Paul Getty was an industrialist, American born British petroleum industrialist who founded the Getty Oil Company in 1942 and was the patriarch of the Getty family. So I guess some oil, <laughs> so some of her vagina oil in his ear. But even even before that, in the previous section, he's talking about he's crossing the bridge to get to this woman, and then he's saying right. he can't catch a dose of her. Right, she's basically turning him down, and he wants to stick his sweet um, sweat hog into her silk purse. Hmm. And she's basically saying no. It's about a guy getting rejected right now uh the lyrics are based on the life of the band at the time and all the time they spent on the road part of it deals with the time on tour just before the band would come home some members of the band and crew had wives and girlfriends so when a tour was coming to a close they would refrain from sex except oral of course as a courtesy they didn't want to bring a social disease home with them well that's just classy oh wow that's um love yeah because social disease doesn't exist in your mouth uh, yeah i guess uh, especially back then apparently huh <laughs> Uh, I, I once, once listened to some other band and they gave me some advice that life is a social disease. Oh. It was a New Jersey band, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. We may have to talk about them sometime. Okay, so get on the field, put the mule in the stable. I think I understood that. That that's also a penis, a vagina reference, I believe. Ma, she's a cooking. Put the eats on the table. John, help me out. Um, it's getting moist down there. Go make a meal. Okay. Scott looks perplexed. Okay. I don't know. So when you when you warm a lady up, she gets moist. And he's saying, to Corey's point, about. I'm not going to stick my sweet sweat hog in her, or I'm not going to put the mule in the stable. Instead, I'm going to go down there and make a meal. See, and what I get out of that is if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to go fuck a sheep while you make dinner. You, you came from a very different childhood, Scott, than John and I. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they did things in Detroit, but we didn't do that up here. It was it was extreme. What I'm saying is it's 
warm and moist and it's time to go dine. That's what he's saying there. Gotcha. Thank you, John. I will say on this version, Stevens maybe not at the top of his game, but I think the band is. Yeah, they're playing pretty tight. You know, the band's absolutely, it's a shame. You know, and I'm blaming it as a choice. Like, I don't think Stevens really not on top of his game. I think he made a choice. And once he made that choice at the top of the song, he's kind of pigeonholed into that. I think he has better live versions of this that we're going to get to hear later on. Um, like like you said, he does tighten it up. I hope the band on those versions is as tight as they are here. What do you think of those drums, Scott? I know there was one part, I think, going into the second verse where Joey, just seemingly out of boredom, just started doing a little hat lift and, and you know, just kind of came off beat a little bit just to kind of mix it up a little bit. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's not quite a shuffle, but it has a, a slight shuffle feel to it. Um, I, I think he probably is bored because this, this isn't really a song that, needs him to do much of anything um it's it's a, a little too simple for a drummer it's like all right i'm just going to be the metronome and at some point i'm going to have enough of just being the metronome and i got to do something but the uh but the but what i do like is the groove between the guitar and the bass um i, I like that sound uh what they're playing really works together but musically it's not a very interesting song and it was uh, written actually by uh, brad whitford uh, who played the riff uh, for the band one day, and Stephen just jumped up and yelled, I love it. Then he jumped on the kit and started playing the drums to it. He plays very different from Joey with a more jazzy approach. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was just trying to replicate that little, uh, you know, little jazz touch to it. Could be, yeah. Last Child from Live Bootleg, uh, excuse me, Live Bootleg, one of Aerosmith's most famous grooves, I think, and certainly one of Brad Whitford's. I know uh, Last Child is still a standout in their live set today uh, in that uh, Steven Tyler would always kind of call out something like, uh, uh, you know, what you got up your sleeve, Brad Whitford or something, and then he would, you know, start playing the main riff to Last Child. Uh, that one was always kind of uh, attributed to him. 
John Mariano, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on Last Child from Live Bootleg? I I dig this song. I really I really do enjoy the song. Um, this is not my favorite version of it for all of the reasons why we discussed listening to it. I think, you know, you you make creative choices and sometimes you take big swings and not every big swing is going to make a hit. Um, it's a shame because the band sounds the way the band sounds that if this was Steven a few years later, I think you get a much different sound out of him. Um, I really wish it lined up with where, where the band is at this point because I love the lyrics. I, lo- I love the riff. Um, I love the drums. I, lo- I, love, I love everything going on except for Steven in this song. Gotcha. Scott Haskin, what do you think? You're also muted. The curse continues. Um, well, I was I was <laughs> typing on my spreadsheet and I didn't want to uh, have the key clicks get on there for you to edit out. Um, I yeah, I don't think it's a, an interesting song musically. Um, I, I think lyrically, it's just a, a little too abstract for me. Um, yeah, I I didn't care for this at all. All right, so that's uh, two no's for last child going on the mixtape. For this version, yes. Yes. Um, I would have been in agreement. Uh, I like Last Child uh, quite a bit. Actually, it's just a straight-ahead groove, uh, and there's better versions of it out there is kind of the big thing. And I actually think the version on Little South of Sanity, from what I remember, was pretty good. So I'll have to cover that one at some point. Uh, the band was cooking here. Uh, Steven uh, wasn't at his best. Uh, just to recap what we have on side via the live, uh, live tracks, we have Sweet Emotion, Monkey on My Back, What It Takes, Lord of the Thighs, Toys in the Attic, Kings and Queens, Train Kept a Rolling, Dream On, and Sight for Sore Eyes. And I, I like my two compatriots would not uh, take any of those off for this version of Last Child. However, I think there may be a version out there that we may have to have a conversation about, even though Scott wasn't a big fan. Hopefully we find a version, maybe Scott, that gives you a true representation of what this song could be because uh, the band was very good in this one, Stephen, not so much. Uh, there are better versions out there. Uh, so with that, uh, we got a couple of pieces of business uh, to take care of. First off is how many times has Aerosmith performed last child i'll give you a hint it's a lot because this is kind of the brad whitford song scott haskin let's start with you how many times do you think aerosmith performed last child i'm gonna go with 173 173 all right john mariano your turn how many times do you think aerosmith performed last child 492 492 you're both well under the correct answer is 800 and two times. Wow. Remember, since like 1976 to 2020, which is the last time they played it, Aerosmith has performed Last Child quite a bit. So so, so, so I, I was willing to go as high as 600, but when I heard Scott's number, I pulled it back <laughs> to a slightly more conservative number. Um, and and you were still just over half. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was with... Like I said, I was willing to go as high as six. I didn't know. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, All right. that really is. Hmm. Now, uh, piece of business number two is Scott Haskin. You have to replace Live Child. Uh, live Child. Holy cow. Last Child from Live Bootleg on the dice. So are you thinking another live track? Are you thinking a deep cut? Are you thinking a big hit? What you thinking, uh, Scott? I'm thinking another live track because we only have one other one on the disc and we've got so many, li- or, uh, the dice, we have so many live songs to cover. I'm going to go back to Classics Live 2 and select Draw the Line. Very good. One of Aerosmith's all-time classics, Draw the Line. 
from Classics Live, too. That is going to be a fun one. I kind of like keeping at least two live cuts uh, on the dice uh, for that very reason. So good job, Scott. I, I'm definitely Thank in favor you. of that one. Have we covered any version of Draw the Line right now? I think maybe we have. Um, I don't think so. I don't think we have yet. Nope, this it doesn't look like time. it. Oh, or might be our very first uh, first crack at Draw the Line. Very much looking forward to that one. But it's going to have to wait until at least next week. Uh, John Mariano, uh, what you got coming up that you want to promote or plug or let the people know about? Um, Nope. Good. Perfect. Scott, how about you? Have you written any books lately? I have not. I've released a couple of soundtracks on my Bandcamp page, but uh, this summer is mostly going to be doing um, music reviews through July on the Haskin Cast podcast, a lot of them for Cherry Red Records. And then, uh, like I said, the Magicians podcast is going to be offline in July. And then in August, the Haskin Cast podcast goes offline while I move that. But I basically have to relink uh, around 750 shows between the two um podcasts and multiple uh the, between the website and different social media things so it's going to be a lot of linking over the summer and uh so yeah i won't be producing a whole lot of new stuff during that time gotcha you will be helping uh, kevin brown and i with a uh a little uh, podcast project uh, yes. that we're currently uh cooking up not ready to announce but uh gosh i'm pretty excited about it i think it's gonna be a heck of a lot of fun and we just couldn't do it without a little scott haskin love on there as well uh You'll have to wait for that one, just like you have to wait for next week and possibly draw the line home tonight, nine lives out of your head, Roadrunner, or let the music do the talking. Uh, all are great songs. I can't wait to cover those. But until then, on behalf of John Mariano and Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Marcia. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler. So